All right, what's going on everyone? It's Dr. Jordan Seda back again, coming to you live from New York City. Are you ready to go to health and back? All right, let's get it. Welcome to Health and Back, a podcast run by a physical therapist focused on fitness, performance, and mindset tools for success. And now, here's your host, Dr. Jordan Seda. People, I am joined here from a guest across the pond. I always say across the pond, um, but uh, a guest in the United Kingdom slash England specifically, uh, Mr. Alex Deer, Dr. Alex Deer, no, master of everything else, Alex Deer. Um, he's just a, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a cool dude. Uh, but Alex, welcome. Thanks for being here today. Thanks, Jordan. Yeah, so um, I I actually have just enjoyed this because we've had an opportunity to connect. Uh, the Atlantic Ocean proves to be a greater barrier than one might perceive uh, in terms of keeping a bromance going. But here, I think we um, were able to connect, and it's great. So what's new with you, Alex? Uh, not much, not much. Going away for Christmas, um, which should be good. Excited for that getting some winter sun, seeing my my wife, my brother-in-law, basically. Um, nice. So, yeah. And other than that, recently went full-time on my business, which was uh, big, yeah. a big fun change. And you, uh, you're you renovating that house, right? Yeah, we're, like, pretty much finished. We've, we've, we've kind of run out of motivation now. So, uh, yeah <laughs> everything everything works which is like cool and then the bits and pieces of like aesthetics that we haven't been asked to do yet are still still kind of lacking um so the gym the gym hasn't been built yet either so mm. hopefully hopefully in the new year get that sorted well all i know is do you have enough space to watch arsenal matches at home yeah well i mean i don't know if i want to watch them that much lately so you don't think our current form is uh you you don't think Arsenal are in a good place right now? Uh I think we have improved. Um but we yeah, let's see. There's there's room for more improvement. Yeah. So last, to those last, of you oh, go ahead. Last two weeks were a bit of a spanner in the works for uh the improvement. I was feeling more positive before that. Yeah, and to those of you who don't know anything about Arsenal, uh, Alex and I both support Arsenal Football Club, aka Soccer Club, if you're in the United States. But uh, that's we also we connected um, through other means, which I'll get to. But uh, primarily, we we both support the Arsenal. Um, and so, I guess one last question would be: Arteta in or Arteta out? In. Yeah, I kind of have to agree. I don't think there's another manager right now that can step in and. Uh, do a job uh and i'm definitely a fan of giving people support especially if they have a plan and i think a lot of it just comes down to people executing when you put the pieces in place you know the the manager doesn't doesn't play yeah i think there's been there's been an upward trend and it seems like there's more of a bigger plan which is being put into place now which yeah is is going to take a long time to get us back to where we want to be really but 
at least it's starting to head in the right direction, which I'm pretty happy about. Yeah, I think overall the mental health status of both Alex and I, because of Arsenal, is improving a little bit. We don't have a constant heart attack and hypertensive episode on a weekly basis anymore. Uh, but we're still we're periods periods of weekend depression. Yeah, it's amazing because like I feel like Arsenal fans around the world, when they see one another, just kind of want to embrace and tell each other it's going to be okay. Uh, I've definitely had that situation happen here many times. It's like it's this unbreakable bond of uh, sorrow Suffering. that, that band, bands us together. But anyway, uh, I've had the privilege of knowing Alex for the better part of, I want to say two years, three, three maybe three, three years. Yeah, the, the last time you were in New York. Um, so I, I connected with Alex through um, a, a buddy of ours, uh, Zach Gabor in Boston, who runs a community called the Level Up Initiative. I guess they're Cal U, so the Clinical Athlete Level Up Initiative now, uh, two organizations uh, involved in pushing the needle forward in physiotherapy slash physical therapy, United States talk, uh, and other like wellness ventures to provide the highest quality care, inform people on best practices to maintain their health. Uh, so we connected through that and then the Arsenal fandom just made us uh, essentially bros. Uh, and here we are today. Uh, so when I first met Alex, he was like uh, in between working for the NHS in the UK and doing his own thing. And now he's transitioned to doing his own thing. So uh, Alex, tell us a little bit more about what doing your own full-time business entails, who you're working with and how that's going. Yeah, so it's evolved over the past couple of years, really. Um, and the people that I'm working with now um are people that really want to fix their injuries by lifting weights. So they're people that enjoy strength training. Um, they usually use that as like uh, a vehicle for like, you know, um, like feeling confident, like building their self-esteem, you know, being strong helps you feel um, a different way when you put yourself in other kind of situations. So I think we both like resonate with that. Um, and yeah, also people that are quite ambitious in their career and they want to do well um, and they they training forms a big part of their life and how they perform well in that because it helps them manage stress um, and feel good about themselves. And, and when injuries get in the way of that, like it can be pretty difficult, like physically experiencing those those things, but also mentally quite a difficult time in people's lives. Um, and so my job. Um, is to try and help them get back um, like some of that physical strength, but like the mental strength that comes with, you know, training and doing the things that they, they love, like lifting. Yeah, I definitely think that the mental aspect of it is utmost important. I find a lot of people have a lot of fears going into resistance training, whether it be their level of preparedness or lack of time or fear of getting injured. Uh, so I definitely think it's important to, educate them on the benefits but also doing it in a safe way now it it's not an easy process to go down the resistance training pathway or to get started but uh how have you been successful in getting people to buy into the value of resistance training into their lives well, that's a good question um i think i would say that in the job that i current like my own business, I'm, I have a skewed population 
who are normally coming in because they already value that it's already a part of who they are and what they do mm. or if they're newer to it um then they they have a because of the way that i kind of advertise and the things that i put out there they have a skew that they believe that will help them already um so that's quite different to what you might get in certain other environments like when i was kind of in the nhs when when people might place more of a value on other types of like health and fitness training um so so my job at the moment isn't really to kind of promote those benefits as as much as it has been in the past yeah i hear that well i think what also helps i mean if you were here in the united states i think you'd just get business because of your sexy accent personally <laughs> i think if i had that i might be a little bit more successful than i am uh but definitely don't lose that now you know i follow you on social media and i see you talk a lot about developing uh performance habits i think that's what you categorize it as so how do you go about building sustainable habits uh, in, in these individuals? Because it feels like that's one of the main missing pieces in their current program. Hmm. So I think, I guess the first, I guess the first thing I would want to dig into a little bit is like, why would we want to do this in the first place? So I think for you and I, like anyone else listening who coaches in this job, like we work with a lot of people and fundamentally what we're doing is behavior change um and a lot of the problems that we see that people come in with whether it's to do with their weight or to do with the way they train or to do with you know their mental health like all of these things normally for, for me come back to kind of a problem of like dosage like how much they're trying to do of something and a lot of the times people, you know, natural human behavior is to get a lot of motivation to make a change and then try and do something really drastic or significant to try and see results quite quickly. Um, and the problem with that is when you're not making small, slow changes over time, it's very difficult to maintain those habits when, like you said earlier, like, life through has recently thrown you a few curveballs right and when those things happen things get more stressful work gets busier something happens with your family or your friends and you've got to be there for them making these really drastic changes become unsustainable and then people kind of get into this all or nothing pattern of shit i need to start a diet i'm going to start it on monday i'm going to absolutely starve myself lose 10 kilos in a month and then a month later be like fuck, I'm miserable because I haven't eaten anything that I like. Um, I feel like I've got no energy. I'm absolutely starving. Um, and then people go the other way. Um, and whether that's, you know, like I've just said in nutrition, it can also happen in training. Like I want to get in shape. I'm going to train five days a week when I haven't done any training for the past year. Um, for me, those kind of patterns of behavior are the, are the big things that I want to kind of address with what I call performance habits. Yeah, I hear that. So let me get this straight. You know, if you're in the in the UK right now, you'll be able to relate to this and maybe in the US. But so you're saying I, I am obsessed with digestives, especially the chocolate covered ones. Uh, so you're saying that people can eat those and still maintain their fitness goals. 100%. Uh, I just 
I just wanted to put that out there because I know many people, especially during this time of year when we're approaching the holiday season and you guys and your mince pies and everything else you're eating. Oh, yeah. All that festive uh, festive fare. Uh, they might. It, it's a very difficult time to remain focused on your goals. But, but say someone has a little bit of anxiety about participating fully in like the the food and the enjoyment, the merriment that comes around the holiday season, uh, would you... Do you have any like specific advice for those people? Yeah, so I mean, I had a lot. I had I I struggled like I pretty much got an eating disorder a couple of years ago, um, because I I'm a so my background in training is I was an Olympic weightlifter and I was that's a weight category based sport. So a lot of the time that I was training and competing, I was looking at my weight and trying to make sure it stayed around a certain number. Um, and I went through working with a with a nutritionist for a while and was on a very restrictive meal plan. Um, and when I came off it, I kind of went the other way and I put on loads of weight. So I feel that anxiety because um, I've always kind of tried to control my weight. And, and that's kind of been an expression of like, you know, not having control of other aspects of my life. I kind of try, tried to really control that. Um, so that's where I'm coming from when I give the, these kind of answers. Um, in the recent past, I've like built a, a more mindful approach to food and more flexible approach. And I think the first thing to kind of say about, about this period is like, if you want to enjoy something, like make the decision that you're going to do it and that you're going to enjoy it and, and be okay with that. Like, it's fine to to eat the mince pies or to eat, you know, the, the baked good or baked goods or the sweet goods. Like it's fine to make a decision to do that. As long as you're making that decision, like in advance, that that's what you, what you want to do. Um, knowing that, you know, if you do put on some weight over the holidays, like you can address that after the holidays, if you feel like you want to, if you're not concerned about that, like that doesn't matter. Um, and the other thing then to consider is like, okay, for the people that want to like still eat those things, but not put on too much weight. Um, I think the big thing for me that I've learned in like the recent past is, is trying to kind of understand like when you actually feel full and when you actually feel hungry and, and also trying to kind of identify the difference between like what's like a, a boredom or an emotional eating versus like a, okay, I'm actually hungry. I don't have energy like eating. Um, some of that is, is maybe not something you can make a very conscious decision in like an actionable step. Um, so I think the first thing for people to do would be to try and try and eat slowly. Because if you eat slowly, uh, you will notice more when you feel full or when you don't. Um, so that's a really simple, actionable step that people can do um, to stop when they feel like satisfied rather than going to the point of like absolutely stuffing themselves full with a huge dinner. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And I've had my own uh, share of ups and downs with eating, especially because all of my friends seem to have decided to get married this year. And uh, so I've been going to a lot of weddings with open bars, endless food, uh, but what I do realize is that when you return to your, like, I, I like to think I had 
maintain a relatively healthy lifestyle and I'm pretty cognizant of, um, well, this was another topic of conversation. Like I count calories, not too closely, but I do monitor what's going into my body. Sometimes it is a little anxiety driven, but for the most part, it keeps me on track. Like I don't stress too much if I deviate, I allow myself to eat. But at the same time, because I come back to a relative baseline amount of, uh, of calories, like I know that I'll be able to eat all the foods that I want. I'm going to gain weight, but there's two things. A, I'm going to end up returning to my normal weight at some point because of my lifestyle habits. And B, if it's just a one-shot deal, there's a, a dietitian on Instagram and he was like, if you do it once, the only thing you're going to really have is a rectum full of shit the next day. And you're really not going to make a, a significant change in like your weight. At the end of the day, it's pretty much going to return to baseline quickly. Um, I don't know how you feel about that, but I do know that in the past you had spoken about counting calories and how you don't really have to do that. And some people, you know, if you read the books, they'll tell you that you need to monitor all those uh, factors, calories, macronutrients, etc. Some go into like nutrient timing. Some talk about like you need to fast, you need to eat keto, you need so, so many things. But uh, what would be your take on on those who say you have to count calories and if you don't have to what is the alternative so really good question so i guess I'll, i just want to kind of come back to the, the first point so i totally agree with you like if you have one weekend where you go to a wedding and you have one isolated day where you eat more food than normal and then you just return to, to what you would normally do that's probably not going to affect your weight long long term or your or your body composition the thing that happens the thing that that happens in addition when people do those things is if you're drinking or you're eating a lot of salt that's going to retain a lot of water and so your weight is going to fluctuate a lot like you could potentially put on one kilo or like you know 2.2 pounds um in in that one sitting and that might cause someone to kind of panic and affect you mentally but like there's no way you've put on one kilo of fat from one meal like that's just not how it works um so yeah i'm totally i'm totally with you on on that side of things um and then when it comes to kind of calories and and keto and like different methods of of losing weight um for for full context, like I'm coming into this conversation having counted calories for like years. Um, there was a period of a, a two years probably where I tracked every single thing I ate. Um, personality wise, I'm quite like an obsessive analytical person. Um, and so I got quite obsessed with the number and hitting the number very specifically. And that wasn't the kind of relationship that I wanted to have with food I became very detached from the feeling of like knowing when I was hungry or not and I was eating purely to hit a very specific number which for me I didn't feel like was a sustainable approach long term so from my perspective I don't I don't there are some people that I work with that do count cal calories um, and if it works for you and if you feel like you can balance things doing it that way that's a totally sustainable approach for some people and probably for most people who are newer to doing anything with nutrition like 
there's much more simple things that you can do to achieve some of the things that you're talking about, Jordan, without necessarily having to go into the minute detail of spending time every day putting stuff into an app. Um, so the way that I kind of do it is, is basically trying to build habits into your day. Like I said, kind of eating slowly, um, recognizing when you're actually full and stopping eating before that point. Um, and then there's also ways of kind of structuring your plate. So like what's called the magic plate. It basically divides your plate up into those macronutrient ratios that you've talked about, Jordan, without someone having to actually add up all the numbers. Like if you just divide your plate up into these sections, you'll hit those macronutrients um, without having to count all of that stuff. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I know for me, uh, what's, what's worked well for me, and I think the difficult thing is um, protein is generally more expensive to incorporate into a diet. Carbs are fast and they're relatively cheap and they're ta they taste amazing. And I don't want to say, I certainly don't want to imply that we don't need carbs in our diet. That's, that's bollocks. As, the, as you guys say over there. We would uh, say that, yeah. Uh, among many other things. I should just end on a all English rant. Or swear, swear uh, words, yeah. Uh, we, might, we might do that, we might do that. But for me, like when I start incorporating more protein into my diet, I feel fuller for longer because, you know, my understanding is that it takes more metabolism, more time for proteins to digest. So you're not really getting that quick fix of a, a carbohydrate, particularly a simple carbohydrate, and then you get hungry again. And supplementing that with uh, pretty much just drinking water and coffee throughout the day. And I don't drink a lot of coffee, just like one cup, and it's usually black. And uh, you know, using that liquid balance, not gaining liquid calories. I mean, you certainly could, but for me, that's what's been sustainable. Yeah, yeah. So we we would we would advocate for very much the same kind of things like we both want people to have a sustainable approach and and the the things that you've just described you know having carbs is is particularly for our population of people who train like carbs give you energy they're going to allow you to train more and if you're trying to lose weight carbs are going to keep your energy levels high even though overall you're at an energy deficit um so yeah i'd absolutely advocate for that and the other thing yeah like you said about protein is like you said it takes more energy to break it down so it makes you fuller for longer because your body has to work harder to, di to digest it um and if you imagine like a plate of chicken breast versus like a plate of pasta like for the chicken breast no one's going to be able to like knock down a whole plate of just chicken breast on their own at some point like you're going to get pretty full but with the pasta like everyone could probably demolish a whole plate of pasta like that's that's a pretty easy easy going thing to do um so yeah incorporating more protein is going to make you feel fuller it's going to like help achieve all of the kind of goals of people that we we would work with yeah for real for i mean I could house a plate of pasta at any time of day for breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Um, for dessert, I 
I mean, it comes with my Italian jeans. What can I say? Now, I'm not a huge fan of absolutes in anything. And I always say to my clients, and I might have said on the podcast, that the only certainties in life are death, taxes, and uncertainty. Uh, but <laughs> are there any? Is there anything you know nutritionally that would be a hard no if someone were trying to make a a, a dietary change? Um. Because let's say, for example, I, I know the rhetoric over the years was you should stop eating a certain amount of hours before bed. You should, I don't know, make sure that you eat a bunch of small meals during the day, which actually is being contested with the prevalence of intermittent fasting these days. So you're not really eating that many meals. Um, it's interesting. I just read something about how it like improves gut longevity because it's not secre- you're not secreting as much insulin to to break down food and i don't know if that's uh we we can't hang our hat on that necessarily but so many different paradigms of thought in terms of eating but i'm just curious if there's anything that you would say uh people should shy away from i think for for me um i i don't like operating in the extremes so for me my general advice for people that i work with will be not to go one way extreme or the other unless it really fits in with their lifestyle for some for some reason because ultimately with a with a diet or with training the thing that's going to win out every time is going to be consistency so the more extreme of a decision you make with that the more difficult it's going to be to be consistent in the long term so if that means like cutting like cutting out food groups or really like saying strictly i'm never going to do this thing again like for me that's kind of a flag of like we probably we probably want to build in some flexibility here um so that when you're in a situation where you can't make that decision we have a backup plan or we 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 don't have to massively deviate from like what is the norm for you yeah so i guess if i if i had to if i think i've been listening pretty clearly but if i had to summarize everything that you just said if someone just skipped ahead to this very moment in the podcast you would say that consistency is the most important aspect of a sustainable like fitness program yeah inside and outside the gym and you know i and i think you're really good at appreciating that so many things change outside of the gym some things change inside the gym but oftentimes especially during the holiday season things are changing uh quite constantly uh just ask my broken nose how quickly (laughs) life life comes at you um so we're we're approaching the end of 2021 uh 2022 is on deck i can't freaking believe it uh, almost two years into the ongoing pandemic, uh, I think we're. I, I think we have to say we're still in the pandemic because it's uh, still very much prevalent. But what's what's next uh, for Alex in twenty twenty two? Good question. Um, I'm trying to to change more people's lives, basically, to work with more people to help them. You know do lift help them lift help them lift without having to worry about pain or or 
you know the other kind of stresses and, and worries that come along along with having that um and that's kind of my primary goal like outside of the gym uh outside of the work um focus on my own training really like for me um my business has done better when i've taken better care of myself so i'm really going to be like focusing on my own my own training i've even started doing some cardio um <laughs> to really what is that like, <laughs> improve my improve my overall health and fitness um so yeah th those are kind of the main goals and then secondary to that um trying to if pan pandemic and finance is allowing um spending a bit of time working like remotely next year getting a bit of uh, freedom would be the, the goal yeah i i would love to be sitting in england at a pub with you doing remote work that would be uh maybe not necessarily the tollington even though that's a solid place outside of emirates stadium but definitely uh that freedom would be would be great and i miss or drinking what's up or we could go to Italy. ah we could do that yeah i'd rather have red wine than warm beer yeah i think i'd, <laughs> I'd make that trade off in a second um last question arsenal top four Ooh. I was I was feeling pretty confident. Um, the last couple of weeks put a bit of a dent in that, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with yeah. No, no extra, no extra European competition. I think we can do it. We should do it. If we don't, we're in trouble. Uh, does that do seem think? like a? I don't know if that seems like a hopeless support. Uh, uh, like the hopeless romantic supporter uh, in, in <laughs> Alex. Uh, I personally don't think we're gonna do it. Uh, I think we'll fall short. Uh, hopefully we don't fall just short and end up playing in other European competitions, but I think they need to do some business in January, signing some new players, particularly people who score goals, because that's been our, our weak link right now. Uh, man, I got to get back over there. I got to get back over there. I really miss, uh, I like London a lot. I like, I'd like to explore the rest of the the UK, uh, just a matter of time and, uh, you know, taking care of business here in New York city and, uh, next year should be a much more of a travel filled year for me. Uh, but if anyone wanted to get in touch with you to talk about diet, getting started on fitness goals, where would be the best place for them to reach you? The best place is Instagram. Uh, and that's just my name, Alex Deer, uh, D E A R. MSC. Alex dear MSC. And that yep. is not that is not a rubbish IG handle in it, bro. <laughs> yeah, fam. I swear if you ever want to laugh, just listen to English banter. What if you watch like there's this thing called Arsenal Fan TV? It's always like oh, yeah. fill, fill the people who are just talking about all this shite and all this other stuff. It's uh it's quite fascinating. Uh, I've got a good podcast for you now, actually, as well. Oh, man. It's called Shagged, Married, Annoyed. Oh, God. That sounds like something I would listen to. <laughs> you, you, will, you will enjoy it. It's lots of uh, grim, grim stories, of, like people sharing grim personal stories. 
especially with like things on like nights out and and such in the UK, which you know we have a bit of a crazy population, should we say? Uh, yes, yeah, sign me up now. <laughs> anyway, that's all we have today, beautiful people. I again want to thank Alex for his time and his insight. Now get out there and make shit happen. Thanks for listening to this episode of To Health and Back. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And in the meantime, to connect with Dr. Jordan Seda, you can contact him through all social media networks at dr.jordanseda and online at theabstractphysio.com. Until next time, and remember, if opportunity doesn't knock, build a door. <laughs>